Everybody got a Bible here this evening? Why don't you grab it out if you have a Bible? If you don't have a Bible, turn to a nearby Christian. Hopefully you'll find one tonight. How are we all doing, band? You guys good? We got Bo Tafidi on the keyboard, Noel and Scott on the keyboard, other people playing other instruments. I suddenly realized I didn't know everybody, so I better just quit there. Can we give it up for the worship team? Thank you so much, guys. You've done a great job. A great, great, great job. Psalm chapter 40. I've got a, I've got a message that I want to share with you tonight that I really believe is going to help a lot of people. I really do. Um, in fact, I want to share a message for people that if you're in this auditorium tonight and you're feeling, or in these auditoriums, let me correct that, and in your life you're feeling overwhelmed or anxious or sleepless or stressed or low, um, I just want you to know this is a message for you. And if you'll uh, incline your ear, and that's a, that's a Bible phrase, it's a bit old school, but I like it. Modern translators take it out, but it's a cool phrase, incline your ear. It's kind of like adjust your posture so that you can hear well. It's like what you have to do in the Arise foyer when everybody's yelling all around you, you know? At the Arise Center, you're like, you, you, listen, you talk to people like that, you know? Yeah, yeah, I can hear you because here all I hear is everybody else's conversation. If you'll incline your ear, I reckon God has got a word for you this evening and uh, something powerful could happen in your life. Do you believe that? 30 people. Do you believe that? All right, let's go to Psalm chapter 40 and verse 1. I thought I wasn't sure if I was in a rise church for a second there, but then the second time around I realized I am. I'm in a rise church. I was in Hamilton this morning. Beautiful venue. I don't know if you've ever seen the Hamilton venue on Instagram, but it's like, uh, what, what's it called? It's called the Atrium or something. Is that the Atrium? It's called literally called the Atrium, and that's what it is. It's this beautiful building with like concrete floors, glass walls. Wait for it, a glass roof, and then just brick and glass and windows upstairs, downstairs, and it is vibey like. We had church this morning, standing room only, people literally standing around every wall around the auditorium, and God is moving in Hamilton. Let's give it up for everybody in Hamilton, all my Waikato people, the Chiefs. Well, the All Blacks are winning anyway. Somebody's winning. Psalm chapter 40 and verse 1, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned and he heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock, and He gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, like Wonder that we sang tonight. A new song. Man, I love that song, Wonder. We're going to be singing that for a long, long time to come. Wonder, Wonder. There is evidence Wonders infinite. That is a great line. I don't care who you are. Well done, Cascander, on another great song. And Tamara, who I don't know your surname, but you're amazing as well. But uh, just, just known as one thing, but absolutely incredible. Wonders infinite. That's lyrical. How good's that bridge? Can anybody remember the first line of the bridge? Feel the weight of heaven. It's the sweetest fragrance, your surrounding presence. What we do in the bridge, we go through the five senses. No, no, do you get it now? Because that's what we do. We go through all the senses, you see? 
sweetest fragrance. You see, we're like we're going through. Touch, feel, see. Yeah, there you go. Now you're getting it on a whole nother level. Yeah, it's because musicians are deep. <laughs> there are miracles. That's gonna, we're gonna sing that for a long time to come. Give it up for our worship team in every location. If you think they're amazing, come on. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Blessed, blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. Many, O Lord my God, are the wonders you have done, the things you have planned for us. No one can recount them to you. Were I to speak and tell of them, they would be too many to declare. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but my ears you have pierced. And for those of you who have real paper Bibles, if you go down to your footnote, you'll notice that it says, but a body you have prepared for me. So one is the literal translation, and my ear you have pierced, but that is a colloquialism that literally means, but a body you have prepared for me. So a body is the intended meaning. Anyway, you get it. A body you have prepared for me. Burnt offerings and sacrifice uh, and uh, sin offerings you did not require. Then I said, here I am, I have come. It is written about me in the scroll. I desire to do your will, oh my God. Your law is written within my heart. God, I really believe this psalm is so much life. I love it. It's been a favorite of mine throughout my, man, my whole life maybe. And I'm just praying that tonight, it would echo out of your word into our hearts and bring illumination and freedom and life to every single one of us. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. 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 We are a culture right now that is struggling with our minds. I mean, it doesn't matter where you turn, it's kind of hard to deny it. We are anxious. We are stressed. We are worried. We are sleepless. We have phobias, we are concerned. And it's not just because we're living in a COVID world. Obviously, that has given a massive license for this to be exaggerated. And I don't know about you, but hasn't been a plain sailing year. <laughs> but the truth is, even before COVID, this was something that is a big issue for us. We are a culture right now that are struggling to control our thoughts, our minds. It's having a huge impact on the way that we feel, on our emotional state. We're, we're finding it difficult to keep ourselves together. And sometimes, if we're honest, I think you could tell me tonight that our minds just seem to go all over the place. Come on, does anybody know what I'm talking about? And it's not hard for us to maybe get a clue as to why. I mean, we woke up, we wake up in the morning, and the first thing we do is grab our stupid, I mean, our smartphones, and the moment that we've got it in our hand, we open up our browsers and we go to a news website. That's for everybody over the age of 30. There is something more than just social media to get your news from. I just wanted to highlight that for you. And then we open up our news feeds and we start to scroll through them. And I'm addicted to the news. I love the news. And we go through it. And it's just amazing how everything in the world just looks like it's absolutely horrible. Have you noticed that? It's like everything is falling apart and I'm looking at everything that I'm looking at and I'm like, oh my Lord, and I see this and I see that and this election and this environment and COVID and global warming and, ah, and it's just suddenly like everything just can look like it's really, really bad. Come on. 
And then I jump on social media, right? This is supposed to be a way that I can connect with my peers and my friends and feel better about my life. Yeah, anybody else finding that's not working out so well for you? I jump on Instagram right in the middle of my worst moment and look at your airbrushed, photoshopped, highlighted, staged. Come on, we're having a suckful party, but everybody smile for three seconds while we get the selfie. And then we forget that we were doing that yesterday and we're comparing their perception to our reality and other things that we get, and we get text messages. We got like people giving us communication. I mean, you can be 12.30 at night and your friend is like texting you. You woke up and read their text and it's telling them that they're having a bummer. And you know, suddenly we're connected to everything that we were never connected before. Our email works the same. And the truth is that we're an increasingly stimulated and triggered culture and we're struggling a lot with the arena of our minds. I mean, I was thinking about this with me. <laughs> when I'm on social media, it is amazing how sometimes I jump on social media and I get triggered by people doing things that I cannot change in situations I'm not involved in that will not affect me personally and over which I have no control. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't seem logical, but how many people will give me a knowing nod and say, you've been there before? I'm like, why are they doing that? I can't believe that. What's this going on over here? And then I'm like, not my problem, not my situation. I can't change it. It's not going to affect my life. People still love me, but I, my emotions are going off in a direction just because of what you stupidly posted on Instagram. And we're struggling. Why are we struggling as a culture? We're struggling for four reasons. The first reason why we're struggling with our thoughts as a culture is because of the scale of the information. The information that you and I are being presented with in the 21st century is at a scale never imaginable in any page of human history before. We know about everything that is happening everywhere pretty much as it is happening. This is helpful to get a global understanding of what is taking place, a different conversation when you're considering how it's impacting your emotions or your thoughts. Because the truth is there have always been disasters. Anybody else like me, like when you jump onto the news, you're like, oh my Lord, Jesus must be about to come back. It seems like every day there is a tsunami, an earthquake, a riot, a famine. You know, just yesterday there was an earthquake in Thailand. It doesn't seem to matter where you go. It's like the whole world is falling down. And we've got to remember, I want to just make sure I'm educating you tonight. You've got to remember that disasters get clicks. There are actually a lot of good things happening in the world. There's a lot of good people. The earth is not coming to an end. Jesus is still on the throne. We have issues, but there are still great people in our world, still great people in your life, but disasters get clicks. And at the end of the day, we want to sell advertising, so we post what is going to sell. The first scale of information, it's just absolutely ludicrous. The second thing is the skill set to deal with it. If I'm going to be given a whole lot of information, then I need with it the corresponding skill set to deal with the information that you are presenting me with. There's no point telling me a whole lot more than I've ever known before. This is why parents stage their children's access to information. I mean, when they are babies, they just tell them everything is great. When they're toddlers, they give them just a little bit more. 
By the time they're at high school, they may start to teach their children, we don't have all the money in the world to do everything. So you're kind of like spiraling the amount of information that you're giving to them so that their maturation is matched by the information. But suddenly we're like to a generation, here is everything about what everybody is doing, all of your friends, all of the world, the good and the bad, let's heap it on you. And in the last decade, that change has taken place, but we haven't gone back and said, hey, here's a whole skill set for how you can handle this. The third thing that impacts this is our emotional resilience. Man, the truth is for me that I'm a morning person. I start every day, I'm ready, I can take on any challenge. But isn't it amazing how what would have been an incredibly surmountable problem at 9 a.m. in the morning can appear like the end of the world when it's 10 o'clock at night. And the more strung out we are and the more exhausted we are and the less reserves that we have, then the harder we find it to deal with the twists and the turns and the unsettling events of life. This is why I preach all the time at Arise and say, turn your cell phone onto flight mode a couple of hours before you wanna go to sleep. Because the devil has an intention that he would get to you at your vulnerable moments. He came to Jesus after 40 days of prayer and fasting. Everybody's full of faith on day one. You're getting hot bread baked over coals on day 40. There's a lot of people that will bow. It's about emotional resilience. And the truth is because we are now a streaming, binge watching, you know, this is a thing now. You don't just binge eat anymore, you binge watch. And because we are living our lives, throw me your phone for a second, Aiden, but because we are living our lives being literally dictated to by multi-billion dollar algorithms designed to get you to swipe and refresh and swipe and refresh and control, literally popping up new information to keep you stimulated, when we start to look at what's happening to sleep, we're sleeping less than we ever have in the history of the world. We're more tired, more wired, more vulnerable, more exhausted, more pent up, more frustrated. And so we're struggling in the arena of our thoughts because we've got more information than we've ever had. We haven't had the skill set to deal with it. We're exhausted because we've made poor choices in our lives. And the fourth reason is our self-image. How you see yourself is gonna dictate a lot about how you respond to things that are happening around you. The most important image that anybody in this room can ever carry in their heart is an image that they have of the God that we worship. But second only to the picture you have of the God that you worship, the second most deciding, emotional, inspirational, I'm looking for another ill, but I haven't got one, but the, the thing that's gonna determine so much about the emotional health state of your life is gonna be the way that you see yourself. Who are you? the way you perceive yourself in the world that is around you. So we are now a culture that is struggling, okay? It's gonna get better, by the way. Just the, the twist is coming, but I'm just painting the picture so that we can bring the cure, okay? So the information, the information's gone up like crazy, and it's not like we're slowly digesting a good book, right? Not that we're getting a healthy diet of holistic information on the topic. We are getting a snack from an omnipresent buffet of tidbits of information that are really giving us only enough just to trigger us emotionally. <laughs> Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? Skill set. 
to deal with the problems. Anybody here feel like they can solve global warming? <laughs> Got a cure for COVID? No, so we're being presented with information about which we feel like we are powerless to resolve it. And thirdly, because of our emo emotional resilience, we are exhausted and we're struggling to get through. And then of course, when we think of self-image, we, we are Romans 1, 21 generation. Where the Bible says, having lost the image of God, they began to worship images made to look firstly like mortal man. When we exalt celebrity above deity, when we care more what a gifted singer or actor posts than we do what the Word of God says to us. Hello. Wait the person next to you and say, I'm good, but that was for you. Just tell them that was for you. Celebrity above deity. That wasn't in my notes. Somebody write it down and give it to me later. We have too much information. We have no skill set to deal with it. Very little reserves and a poor understanding of who we are. So it is no wonder that we are struggling. So when we look at our culture, we've got phobias and fears and inhibitions and lacks and emotions that are going everywhere. And in that context, I want us tonight to dive into Psalm chapter 40. Because in Psalm chapter 40, David gives us a very open insight into what his life was like. And before we go into King David, I just want to firstly note that David was the second of two kings of Israel. Israel's first king was a man by the name of Saul, and he's not nearly as well known. I mean, we would say Jesus, most well-known biblical figure. Second would have to be King David, right? There are statues, his lyrics and songs are still being used today. David, an incredibly inspirational biblical character. But King Saul, you, if you're new to Christianity, you're probably like, who's Saul? Exactly. He didn't last very long. King Saul was removed from being the king of Israel because of two reasons. Number one, his ongoing struggle with sin. But secondly, because the kingship was not life to King Saul. He became king over Israel, but it wasn't life to him. It was death to him because of the scale of the information, because of the lack of skill set, because he lacked the inner emotional fortitude, and because he didn't understand himself that well, King Saul was eventually removed from king, and David was brought in to take his place. But when we start to read the Bible, we discover that King Saul and King David, their paths crossed because King Saul had a massive struggle in his personal life in the arena of depression. Waves of depression would come over King Saul. He would end up just wallowing. His, his servants and his inner circle couldn't do anything to move him. And one day, while he was in one of his states, they said, we've got to find some kid, somebody that can come and worship, and maybe that will change things. And so King David who'd been up until this moment a reject, stuck out on the back paddock, insignificant, a nobody, who had one skill going for him. I need to preach to somebody who feels like they don't have a lot going for them in their lives, but you've just got one talent, one thing that you're good at, one remarkable trait, one, one thing that you feel is special about you. The one, the one thing that God has given to you could be enough to unlock every door that God has for you, to usher you into your destiny. 
God never left anybody without a little piece of Him. And the thing that God has put on the inside of you that is unique to you is going to be the very thing that's going to usher you into your destiny and open every door. And if you believe that, could you give God some praise right now? So King Saul would be in these fits of depression and they would grab King David, just called David at this point, and they would bring David into the room and he would begin to play his harp, think electric guitar. And he would begin to worship. He would begin to worship. He would begin to worship. And as David began to worship, the spirit that was on King Saul would begin to lift. And I need to pause to help you to understand that when you're in an environment of worship, your worship counts for so much more than just you. I need you to understand, my friend, that when you begin to worship, you're not just worshiping for your own freedom. You're not just worshiping for your own God time. My friends, as we begin to lift up the praises of the Most High God, it's going to affect somebody else. Your worship could set another free. Your worship could break the chain on another life. Come on, whack three people and say, you've got the power to change things. You have the power to change things. So as David began to worship, the chains that had been over King Saul would lift off. And so it was that King Saul was eventually removed and David took his place. And with that context in mind, I want us to dive into the psalm because in this psalm, we discover about David. That he's not a superhero in the way that makes him immune from the challenges that we face. But David found a way through the quagmire. And tonight I want to give it to you. And I'm praying that as you hear the story of King David, that tonight God's going to bring some freedom to your life. And verse 1 is a verse that might sound absolutely earth-shattering for every Gen Z, every millennial that is in the room. Six words that are going to rock your life this evening. It says about David, I waited, whoa, 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 waited. I w- w- waited p- p- patiently. What are, you, what, what are you saying, John? I'm saying there are some things that God wants to do in your life that swiping from the top of the screen is not going to get you. There are some things God wants to do in your life that you need to endure poor Wi-Fi to receive them. There are some things God wants to do in your life that you don't get in a microwave minute. There are some things that heaven wants to bring to your life that are worth waiting patiently for. There are some things that you don't get on your timetable. Just because somebody sold you a device that offers you an a, do- a dopamine hit every time you swipe from the top, it doesn't mean it's the sum total of what Jesus is trying to drop into your life. Sometimes we need to put away the phone and we need to wait in the presence of the Most High God because He is the author of peace. He is the giver of love and we need Him in our lives. Come on, if you believe that, why don't you give your God five seconds of praise in this room this evening? I waited patiently for the Lord. And the Bible says he turned. He turned. I love that. He turned. 
do you understand that your worship, your praise, your prayers have the ability to turn the direction of God? Jesus walked past blind Bartimaeus, but blind Bartimaeus didn't quit. And so Jesus stopped and he turned. And you can turn God. Don't you think for a moment that your prayers are unimportant? Don't you think that your faith doesn't count? Don't you think for a moment that you're just a bystander on the events of life? You can turn the attention of heaven. You can turn the gaze of God. You can change history. You can dictate what happens next. The prayers in your mouth are as powerful as the prayers in Elijah's mouth, and you can change the world. Come on, if you believe it, give God some praise. Whack five people around you and say, it's time to turn God. It's time to turn God. In verse 2, this is what David said. He said in verse 2, he said about God, he lifted me out of the slimy pit. He lifted me out of the mud and the mire. I want you to know tonight that we're not reading of Joseph. If you've read the Bible, you would know that Joseph got thrown into a pit, thrown into a pit by his brothers, thrown into a pit by Potiphar. This is not Jeremiah. If you read the prophet Jeremiah's story, the people didn't like his prophecies, so they threw him into a pit. This is not any of these characters. This is David. In the Bible, there is not one reference to David ever being thrown into a pit. He said, he lifted me out of the mud and mire. He lifted me out of the slimy pit. And we know that this pit is not literal. So if the pit is not literal, then the pit is metaphorical. David is not talking to us about his body. He's talking to us here about his mind. He's saying, I was in a place in my life where it was like I was in the mud and in the mire. He said, I was in a place where it was damp and it was dark. I was in a place where just to think of climbing high seemed to me to be futile, like I'd just be putting my hands against the slimy surface and tumbling back down. I want to preach this message to anybody in these rooms tonight who feels like you're just in the middle of a place that you don't know whether you're ever going to get out of it. I need you to understand that David has been where you might feel you are now. David said, I was in the slimy pit. I was in the mud and in the mire. David is saying, I struggled with heaviness too. David's putting it out there. I got anxious, guys. I was depressed. I was low. I was overwhelmed. And what's amazing about this is that when we think about the story of David's life, what David's known for, Known for. <laughs> Just a 47-year-old pubescent moment. But anyway, what David was known for. David was known for the fact that he was a great warrior. The 17-year-old kid who took three stones and slew a giant. He was known for being a great worshiper. Like I said, his lyrics are still being used to inspire songs two and a half thousand years after he coined them. That's a pretty good, man, I wish he he had license for those lyrics. But anyway, he doesn't. (laughs) You look after your grandchildren on those royalties. But anyway, David is known as a great king. But what we don't know about David is that there was a point in his life where he said, I was in the mud and mire. 
I was in the slimy pit. There was a point in my journey where I didn't even know whether tomorrow was ever going to come, where joy would ever dawn for me again. There was a time when I didn't know if I was ever going to experience laughter and happiness in my life again. David struggled with depression too, which leads me to tell you tonight, because I want to encourage some people this evening. Some people who right now are in a season in their life where you're just like stressed out, anxious, worried whether your friends love you, doubting your place in the world, uncertain of what's happening around you, feeling like absolute garbage every time you scroll through your Instagram. Delete it, by the way. You don't need that. But we're in the middle of those moments in our lives where we're feeling like everything is coming unstuck to us, I need you to hear this. This is the title of my message tonight. I need you to understand that victory has a backstory. Victory has a backstory. That just because right now you're in a moment when everything's looking terrible, it doesn't mean that that's going to be the narrative of your journey. It doesn't mean that that's going to be the theme of your life. I need you to know that we never knew without this verse that David ever got low. But I'm here to tell you what you feel is defining you right now is one day just going to be a little part of the great journey that God has got for you. Victory has a backstory. There's blessings still ahead for you. I need 50 people on the bleacher of the Arise Center to realize that God has got a plan for your life. Just because it feels like I'm falling apart today, it doesn't mean that God hasn't got something good for me in the days that are to come. David was in the pit, David was despondent, David was overwhelmed, and then he said, the God that I worship, the God that I serve, come on, the all-powerful God, the mighty God, the King of creation, he lifted me out of the mud and mire. He put my feet on a rock. He changed my circumstances, he liberated my soul, and somebody in this room needs to know that tonight a seed of faith is coming to your life because God's got liberation for you as well. Somebody stand to their feet in every auditorium and give God five seconds of praise right now. Praise Him for somebody around you. Praise Him for somebody the devil's trying to rip off their dreams trying to pull them down, keep them in the pit. We don't serve the God who leaves us in the pit. He stoops down to make us great. He's going to lift you out. He'll give you the oil of joy for mourning, a garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. There is freedom in this room. There is freedom in this room. And if you believe it, I'm not ready for you yet, but if you, if you believe it, give your God about five seconds of praise. Come on. Come on. Give your God some praise. <laughs> We're only in verse 2. I haven't even done the second half of verse 2. Will you give me five more minutes? Who will give me five more minutes? 5, 10, 15, 20, 20. I'm joking, I'm joking. Grab a seat, grab a seat. I was walking my dog the other day. Coco. Coco Puppy. And down behind our house, we have this pond. It's part of the track that we walk every day. It's like a five-kilometer track, and Coco loves it. And I don't know what happened, but the pond got drained. So it was no longer a pond, but now it's just a big pile of mud. And those poo kickos. Anybody else here? I love poo kickos. 
they're really stupid, but they're cute. And the poo geckos just walk on top of it. Have you ever noticed that? So my dog, who's also not that bright, <laughs> saw the poo geckos walking on the pond, and she is like, this is my moment. <laughs> if there was water in the pond, it's really not a pond now. We need a new word for it. It's just a big pile of mud. But if it had been water, she wouldn't have jumped in. But she saw the poo geckos walking on the mud, and then she's like, this is my moment. And she goes running, and she jumps Big dog leap and then just lands in the mud. And she just goes straight <laughs> into the mud. So now she's got mud up to here. She's got her hair down. And Jillian's like, get in there, save her. I'm like, I'm just going to wait because that looks, that's some stinky mud. I won't let the dog die, but I will let it get itself out if it can. And it was just, it was just struggling. I mean, it was just, it was just like, and she, She's looking up at me with these eyes that are like saying, save me. And I'm like, save yourself. <laughs> slowly, 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 the dog makes its way across. And then eventually it gets itself out. And the moment that it stood on the firm ground, this dog that had been like putting, have you ever tried to walk through mud? Ever tried to walk through big piles of snow? Your entire quad is like cramping just to take one step forward. And the moment the dog got back onto the path, this dog that, I mean, you're going to have to work hard, camera person, because the moment that the dog got back onto the trail again, she was off and she was just running around like a mad thing, absolutely able to move so quickly, absolutely free to just absolutely go for it. You're probably feeling really sick in Christchurch. But the thing about it is that there are some people that are hearing this message that everything in your life seems so hard and every step feels like it's draining. Everything in your life feels like it's a struggle. I'm preaching to somebody tonight who it took every ounce of energy that you had just to get out of your bed, put some gel in your hair and make it to this service tonight. But I need you to know God's gonna lift you out of the mud and mire. He's gonna put your feet upon a solid rock. Your life's about to change because of the power of God. And if you believe it, give God some praise. Victory has a backstory. Victory has a backstory. Victory has a backstory. So how did David get out of the mud and mire? Well, obviously he had an encounter. He had a supernatural moment. But then the Bible tells us the big key is in verse 3. Because in verse 3, this is what he said. He said, he put a noose. I'm so exhausted from running across the stage <laughs> and yelling at the same time. What, what do they call it? No, no, I'm good. But what do they call it when you, when you can't breathe? You know, that's like uh, anaero anaerobic, anaerobic, yeah. I wasn't just running, but I was yelling at the same time. It was anaerobic exercise. <sighs> he put, I need to run a long way tomorrow. He, he put a new song in my mouth. A hymn of praise. A hymn of praise. A hymn of praise to our God. David said, I was in the mud, I was in the mire, and God radically changed my life. And how he changed my life was he filled my mouth with praise. 
David never mentions a circumstantial change. The problem with our culture is that we think only celebrities can find places of tranquility. Because they're the only ones that can afford a 10-day yoga retreat. We need a Psalm 23 awakening. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Emotional resilience, He restores my soul. I need you to understand, you don't need a yoga retreat. You need a moment in the presence of God. We need to draw closer to the God that we worship. Make Him our comforter, our friend, our healer, our peace. He is Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace. And we find in Him a peace that isn't circumstantial, isn't to be purchased, but a peace that transcends all understanding and can guard your heart and guard your mind. And if you believe it, give God some praise in this place right now. He said He put a new song in my mouth. He put a song of praise in my mouth. Oh, to a generation that has been taught, be authentic. Can I just preach to that for a second? I'm on every topic. Let's just keep going. I've trashed Instagram. I've trashed binge watching. Let's go on authentic. The danger with authentic is that you don't just live your life giving voice to how you feel. You don't put your feelings in the driver's seat. Your feelings are not supposed to decide your decisions, your destiny, your mood. Your feelings are feelings that you experience and some of them are valid and some of them are invalid. Some of them should be accepted and the vast majority should be rejected. And the problem is if you wanna get low, then give way to everything that you feel. But if you want life, if you want freedom, if you want confidence, if you want joy, then learn from David. Because then David says in verse 1, he heard my cry. He heard me telling him everything that was wrong. And then he's like, I got you this one time, but I want you to get you the next time. I'm filling your mouth with praise. I'm teaching you a new language. You're not just going to fall victim to what you feel. You're going to begin to declare the praises of God over your life in every moment, every setback, every trial. Let's practice together. You are my God. You are my King. You are my Lord. You are my healer. You are Jehovah. You are my peace. You are the God who restores. You're the God of breakthrough. You're my Savior. You emptied hell and populated heaven. You make a way even when there is no way. You cause streams to flow in the desert. See, this is what praise means. This is what praise means to open up our minds, our hearts, and begin to declare, you're my Lord, you're my King, you are worthy. To begin to magnify the Lord and give God the glory that He is worthy of. David said, I got out of the mud and mire because I began to praise. Praise doesn't change the situation, but it absolutely changes our perspective. More often the problem is in our perspective than it is in the problem itself. Praise changes the perspective. When David began to praise, he went from problems to possibilities. 
when we begin to praise, it elevates us out of just focusing upon ourselves and begin to see everything that the Lord can do. I remember being in my life at the time, Jillian and I had a leaky home and it seems such a small problem to me now, honestly. But at the time it was overwhelming. And that's the problem with problems. The thing you think is the end of you right now, one day you're gonna look back at it and you're gonna say, that was the making of me, not the end of me. That was the start of me. That wasn't what took me down. That was what pushed me forward. That's what, that's what freed me from my fear of man. That's what liberated me from needing the applause of people. That's what stopped me from living just for materialism. That's what destroyed the yoke of fear in my life. That's what broke me free was the valley that I went through, got me to the mountain that I'm standing on now. Victory has a backstory. Tap three people and tell them victory has a backstory has a backstory, and I, I had a leaky home, I had a leaky home. I had a leaky home and I was so low, and I remember I was in the middle of my lounge room. We had this little house, we loved it though, didn't we? We loved it. And I was on my knees in the lounge room of the house, and I was just saying, God, why me? I had a church that was three years old, Jillian was pregnant with Will at the time. Lara was asleep in her room. I was worried about toxic mold. Did she have toxic mold in her room? My little baby, my princess, she's had me around her little finger from day one till now. I now have to pay each of my children at least $5. <laughs> it's called self-discovery. And it just began to dawn on me that all the negative things I was seeing that could happen to me in the future of my life, they were all temporal things. Like I thought I'd lose a rice church, I did. At that moment, that's what I thought. Stupid, but that's what I thought. That's the problem, right now you're thinking things that seem so legitimate. They seem so legitimate. Fears seem so, leg if fears didn't seem legitimate, we wouldn't call them fears, we'd call them ghost moments or something. You know, we'd have a new word for it, but fears are fears because they seem legitimate. And I was like, this is the end. I'm going to lose the church. I'm going to lose my job. This is going to be terrible. We're going to lose the house. Children are going to be starting again. My kids will be sick. Like, that's what I was thinking. And then in the middle of it all, this is what I realized. I realized I had a drop-dead gorgeous wife who actually loved me. Not everybody has that. I'm speaking of a wife that loves them, okay? Just <laughs> shut up. You are naughty. My daughter was the most beautiful thing. I mean, just the greatest gift God ever given me. I, I cried for the first time in my adult life the day that she was born. I hadn't cried since I was a child. Couldn't remember, couldn't tell you. But I was so happy. Hundreds of people had gotten saved at Arise Church already, maybe in the thousands. And it was like as I, as I just was in this low place and I began to praise God, I realized that nothing could take that. Like nothing could take that. Nothing could actually take Jillian from me unless I let them take it from me. Nothing could take my children unless I became bitter and resentful. 
And in that moment, I just began to say, God, I thank you. I've got a wife who loves me. God, I thank you. I began to list off. It's 1.30 in the morning or something stupid. I should have been asleep, but fear kept me awake. And in that moment, I just began to say, thank you for Sally, and thank you for Bob, and thank you for Bill, and thank you for Phil, and thank you for this person, thank you for that, all these souls that have gotten saved, and thank you, thank you that I get to live this life, and thank you that you've called me to Wellington, and thank you, thank you that I actually have got to preach your gospel. Thank you, Lord, that you've used me. Thank you that my wife loves me. I began to praise God in the darkness of my night, and the situation still seemed real, but it got smaller in face of the might and the power of our God. I'm here to tell you your God is big, and when you begin to praise Him, your perspective changes. Come on, now the band can come and join me and I'm gonna turbo through the rest of my psalm. The Bible literally says that David wrote and he said, I put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. And then this is what he said. He said, many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. In other words, as praise has come to my life, everybody looked at me and they were asking, are you okay? Are you well? Is everything going all right? And now they can see the countenance change as praise has begun to infect my life. They can see me smiling. My shoulders were stooped, but now they're pushed back and they can see the change in my... See, that's what God's got for you, my friend, to the place where your life has been changed because you learned the power of praise. Then in verse 4, verse 4, he goes on, he says, Blessed is the Lord, man who makes the Lord his trust. In other words, he was only, leave it up, only a second ago, this is a guy saying everything in my life is awful. And now he's beginning to say, I am the most blessed man that I know. I'm blessed on every side. God has given me goodness. See, if in your life right now, you can't say one thing that's good, begin to praise the one who is good. And that is Jesus. And as you begin to praise, the one who is good. He's going to open your mind to see every blessing that He gave you, every favor that is over your life, every good thing that He's got around the corner. I feel like i got to preach this tonight because there are some young people who have been told their whole lives, roll with your emotions. Let the circumstances dictate how you feel. No, 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 no. Begin to praise, begin to lift up God, begin to exalt the King of all heaven. And I'm here to tell you that you're not decided by your circumstances, but you're decided by your praise. If you believe it, everybody stand to their feet and give God three seconds of praise. Come on.